0: Well, amen. Appreciate that, Brother Josh and uh, Miss Alyssa. Did a great job, didn't you? Y'all did really good. Edifying the name of Jesus Christ and uh, really all the song selection and thinking about Easter here um, this week and uh, really getting back to um, some familiar things, hopefully, for Christianity. And uh, unfortunately, in our uh, world today and uh, in Western Christianity, we've kind of gotten away um, from the main message of Christianity, and uh, the main message of Christianity is the cross of Jesus Christ. And uh, some of us have tried to have tried to hide the cross, or maybe we 've tried to fit it in around some of our good um, feelings or maybe some of our other uh, being uh, likable or being more marketable to the world. Um, but uh, for me, And for what the Bible says, it's clear that without the cross, there is no Christianity. Without the cross, there is no salvation. Without the cross, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so tonight, I want to take us down a familiar road. Uh, Some of you may have been down this road many, many, many times. Some of you, it might be a new road, and uh, you might be traveling down for the first time. And so, whether you're an old journey where you're journeying down this many, many times and you have seen this before, or maybe you have never heard this before and it's the first time down this road, um, may you tune your heart to what the Scriptures have to say so you can't miss the main thing. And so this evening I want to share with you what I call the Romans Road. And uh, the reason I want to show, share with you Romans Road is Romans 1.16 Says this: For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, verse 17, for in it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, let the just shall live by faith. And what I love about this, it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. And uh, heaven forbid, if we stand up and preach anything other than the gospel, um, us as Christians, as we go out to share with the world, uh, may we not share how cool we are? May we not share how good of a person we are? Or may we not share how much uh, good works we have done? Or maybe not even share about our church, or maybe not even share about our pastor. But may we be on cue to be not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ that. May we share the main thing because when we don't share the gospel, then the power is not in it. You see, if we share religion or we share a denomination or we share a personality, there's no power in that to transform the soul. But as Christians, as preachers, as teachers, as those who are the church, and that's who I hopefully am mainly speaking to, is those who are in our church, we must be about the gospel because when we share the gospel, that is the power of God. And when the power of God happens, it is the salvation of souls that is converted, and it's to everyone who believes. So us as a church, we believe that as we preach the gospel that everyone can hear, and everyone has an opportunity to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what I want to do for you tonight. I want to take you down this road of Romans. And, uh, I was going to do it down front here where Josh was sitting on with these boxes or Alyssa, but uh, I'm behind my podium because I don't think I, I, think I have ex- exceeded the weight limit of those boxes. So I apologize for standing behind my pulpit tonight, but I really want to talk to you just like if I was sitting in your living room with you or just like if I was sitting down to have a conversation um, with you if you ask me what was my faith all about. Why do I believe what I believe? Why do I believe that my sins are forgiven? Why do I believe that I'm going to go to heaven? Why do I believe that I have eternal life? Well, I'm going to share with you four scriptures out of Romans. I want you to mark them in your Bible. I want you to write them down on a piece of paper or a notepad. And I want you to go back. And this week, especially as you think of Easter, and this may be a familiar road, like I said, but don't hesitate to go back because it's in times like these, times when... God has our attention. It's a time like this when God kind of shakes our soul and shakes our spirit that He may get our attention to see uh, what we truly believe or what we truly know about Scripture. And so let's not be so fast to look over these Scriptures and think, been there, done that. Because on this journey, you might see something, and I'm sure you will, or God might show you something in His Word, that you have never seen before. And so I want to start on Romans 3.23. You want to say, you want to say where does this road start? Well, beginning point is Romans 3.23. And uh, the gospel means good news. Well, to understand the good news, we've got to hear the bad news first. And the bad news is, in Romans 3.23, it tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the word to fall short of the glory of God, to fall short, it's an archery term. It's a term to miss the mark or to miss the bullseye. To sin means to transgress God's righteous standards for you and for me. And what it says is for all have sinned. That means every single person. And uh, for those who are into the Greek study, uh, I did a word search on this and when you come up with a Greek word all, it re- in the Greek it means all, right? It means every one of you. Uh, everyone, every person, every man, every woman, every preacher, every pastor, every priest, Billy Graham, uh, Franklin Graham, you can go down the list of anyone that you think is religious or that you know who said is a Christian begin right here that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that the righteous standard of God is perfection, and that each one of us has missed that mark. How do we miss that mark? Well, we were born sinners. If we were born into sin, our sin nature uh, will absolutely revert back to sin every time. Uh, If you don't believe me, uh, if you've ever had a newborn baby and you start out with them being little, um, which I have three kids, and all three of them, I can say this is true, uh, that none of them did I have to teach how to scream or cry or get mad and lose their temper. They all did that on their own. Now, I will say they take after their mother. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing about that. But they all lose their temper. They all were selfish. They all wanted it their own way. They all wanted what they had and then if you took it away from them if they didn't, or if they didn't have what they had, then they got upset and they were angry or they were, they were selfish or they threw temper tantrums. They had it in them. It's our nature to sin. In our nature, we are born sinners. But then we're also sinners by choice because there comes a time to when we choose to sin regardless of the consequences. That we know it's wrong, our conscience tells us that, but we make the choice to sin, and, and many times we talk about this becoming the age of accountability to when we know right from wrong, that we know if we cheat on a test that it's wrong, but yet we go ahead and do it anyways, or we know that it is wrong to take something that does not belong to us, but we take it anyways, or we know, for those who are being homeschooled right now, that it is wrong to backtalk your mom or your dad, but you go ahead and do it anyways. And that, that's a sin by choice. So we are sinners by nature, we are sinners by choice, and we are sinners by God's declaration. God says earlier in the chapter in Romans 3.10, He says, there is no one righteous, no, not one. He says there's no one, so there's not one single person who can stand up and say, Ted, Pastor Ted, I deserve God's love and salvation. I earned it on my own. I earned my way that I'm a good person or I go to church or I was born in a Christian family. No, no, no. We were all born sinners and we all fall short of the mark and we all fall to this point to where we we have transgressed God and we fall short of the glory of God. And you say, well, why is that such a big deal, Pastor Ted? Well, I'm going to share, I want to share with you the second scripture from the Romans Road and Romans, uh, 6.23, 6.23, so Romans 6.23, if you've got a Bible, I hope you turn to it, and I hope you mark this, or if you've got it on your phone, I hope you put this on a star or one of your favorites. It says this, for the wages of sin is death. So we know we're all sinners, and we know that we all have sin, and so what is the result of that sin? Well, the result or the wages is something that you earn. What have we earned from sin is death. And so from that, what kind of death are we talking about? Well, we're talking about physical death, that one day we are going to die. The death, uh, death is a result of sin that has entered into the world. And because you and I are sinners, we are going to die one day. And I think with this, uh, you know, uh, focus on death lately of coronavirus, a lot of people are thinking about their own uh, mortality, that uh, with this virus, they say it doesn't matter. Some are old and some are young. It's just a matter of how you react to the virus, and you might be young and you might be old, and you might be fine or it might, you know, take you out. And so many of us have been thinking about that. What if I get the virus? What if I die? What if I uh, choose, and and what if I uh, end up dying in this? And you look, and those who thought they might be invincible or that they would never die, have been considering their mortality and so when you think about it what have you earned in this life well through our sin we have earned death we have earned physical death but not only physical death but we have learned spiritual we have earned spiritual death see not only have we died physically but we died spiritually that we because of sin have been separated from the spirit of god And that separation, we have died in our sins, and that separation has caused us to be separated from God. And so, in that, not only are we going to physically die, but we are spiritually dead as well. So, what kind of predicament am I in? Here I am a sinner. And here I am, that uh, that the righteous wrath of God should abide on me, and that I deserve this sin, and this death, and this spiritual separation. And not only now, but through eternity, separated from God. So how is that good news? How is that good news that you could come and you could say, well, I got good news to share with you today? Well, it's because of Romans 5.8. And I want to share with you Romans 5.8 because it's a great verse. And Romans 5.8 says this, But God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see that? That's the hope that we have. That in Christ, that God proved, He demonstrated, he, he showed His love. And when people my age were in elementary school, there was no cell phones. There was no text messaging, unless you put a piece of paper on someone's desk. <laughs> That's the way you can communicate back and forth. But also, they would play, the girls would play a little game. And if they had a crush on someone... Um, they would take a little flower and they'd pick the petals. And as they would pick the petals, they'd say, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. So if you were talking about an ugly boy, they would always try to rig it to where they would hit, he loves me not, so they wouldn't be embarrassed. But if it was somebody cute like like Josh, then they would take and say, well, they would rig it to where it hits just right perfect and say, he, he loves me. And they would say, oh, he loves me. And, and they would rig it up and they would try to to manipulate, God, manipulate the love if He loves them or not. Well, let me tell you, you don't have to manipulate God's love for you. You don't have to play games with God. You don't have to dress yourself up. You don't have to think yourself as something that you're not. No. You see, God's love says that in while we're yet sinners, that in your worst condition, that that absolutely separated from God and an enemy of God and absolutely separated from God in sin, it says that God demonstrated, He proved, He still loved you and for me. And that Christ died for you and for me, that He was willing to do that. And we don't have to dress ourselves up. We don't have to get right with God. We don't have to join a church we don't have to start doing good deeds, but that He loves us just like we are. And some of you, maybe this afternoon, you may be wrestling with that. Does God love me or does He not? Does God love me or does He not? Let me tell you, Romans 5.8 is a great scripture. Now, let me tell you, the cross of Jesus Christ is an anchor in, the, in all of eternity. That everyone that's come before looks forward to the cross to say that God loves them. And everyone that comes after the cross looks back to the cross to say that God loves them because that is the anchor of our faith. That is the power of God unto salvation. That is the hope that we have. That is the salvation that we have. That's the hope that our sins are forgiven. That's the hope that's anchored in our hearts that we know that yes, we are sinners. Yes, we have failed God. Yes, we deserve judgment, but... In that sin, right where we are, God demonstrated His own love toward us. Just in my own life, there was nothing I could do to earn God's salvation. Nothing. I could not be a, good, a, a better person or join a church or become a, a something better than I was because I was a sinner. And I could not, I could not fulfill God's righteous commands for my life, but as i looked to the cross and i read the bible and i understood that because of my sin and because of my separation from god that god was willing that that god was willing to send his own son that that in while i was still a sinner no favor by me and no no change or no righteousness of my own but yet He proved it. He showed it that there was nothing I could absolutely ever do, but yet in His goodness and His mercy and His grace, He sent Jesus Christ for you and for me and there was nothing we could do about it that He loved us that much that He demonstrated. He proved. He showed it to you and to me. So I want to bounce back to Romans 6.23 and read the rest of the Scripture for you. And I really want to zero in on this part. Because I think this is really crucial understanding the depth of our salvation. For the wages of sin is death. We already talked about that. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. Have you ever received a gift? You know, one of the things about receiving a gift is that when you receive the gift, if you try to pay for it, then it no longer becomes a gift, Right? Or if someone gives you something in return for a favor or for you to do something for them, it's not a gift. That's manipulation. But yet, in our salvation, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. The gift is that He freely gives you and I a gift. And the gift is eternal life. That that when we die and we stand before the judgment, That it's not going to be us standing there in our own righteousness because our righteousness are like filthy rags, but yet we are going to be standing in the righteousness of Christ because we received or we believed, we trusted in the gift of God that was in who? In Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, it's great to have faith, but it's better to have faith in a great God. And let me tell you, we got a great Savior. When you come to Jesus Christ, it doesn't get any better than this. And when you say, well, why is it the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ because He's the only one who qualified to pay for this gift. You see, it can't be a gift if He had to earn it of His own for Himself. You see, Christ was sinless. He did not die on a cross because He was a sinner. He died as a substitute for sinners. So what the Bible says is that He took your sin, He took my sin, and He was a substitute. Not that He had to die, you and I have to die because we sin, but Jesus who knew no sin took on sin, meaning that He became our substitute, and that it was the gift of God, and that He was righteous, and that He was our substitute, He was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. I love that song. Oh, what a Savior we have. What a Savior. That that Jesus Christ is is totally spotless and sinless, and He was our substitute. He was our sacrifice. And that it was the gift of God, and it was through Jesus Christ. Yet we deserve sin, and we have earned our death, and spiritual death, and physical death. But yet that through Jesus Christ, it was the gift of God that we may have Eternal life. I say, well, Pastor Ted, how do we how do we end this up? Well, one more scripture for you, and it's two verses. But Romans 10 verses 9 and 10. And I want you to, I want you to really zero, on this, zero in on this verse. So Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. So I hope you got all four of them. 323, 58, 623, 10, 9, and 10. So all in Romans. So Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So think about this. So now we come and say, if we confess with our mouth. What does the word confess mean? Confess means to come in agreement with. It doesn't mean just telling God something He doesn't know. It means that we already know that God knows we're sinners, and when we confess, it's an act of repentance that we come in agreement with God that we are a sinner. And uh, I'm pretty sure that everyone who's married knows the root of this word. Because when I first got married, I didn't understand that You know, when Aaron and I got in our first argument after about five years, I'm just teasing. All right, five days. Okay, five minutes. But anyhow, however long it was, when we got in our first argument, and of course, I was wrong. And so, as we went through the day, I knew I was wrong, and she knew I was wrong, so I thought that was okay. Well, let me give you a tip for you guys, all right? Uh, When you ask a woman if everything's all right, and she says, fine, everything's fine, it's not fine, all right? It's time to get on your knees and beg for mercy. No, I'm just I'm just, Well, partly. But what it means is, is that what she wanted to hear was, not that she knew I was wrong and not that I knew I was wrong, but what she wanted to hear was for me to say, honey, I was wrong, and will you forgive me? She wanted me to agree with her that I was wrong. Well, that's the same word here. Confess means to come with God and agree with God that you have sinned and you have been separated from Him and that you fall short of the glory of God. We agree, we confess, we come under the conviction of our sin. Conviction is a good thing when it leads to repentance. It's that guilt that comes that leads us to conviction. That's good. And and this Scripture says that if we confess that, if we come under that repentance of our sin and we confess with our mouth, if we confess Jesus Christ, if we confess the Lord Jesus Christ and we believe where? In our mind? No. Does it mean we believe in our will? No. It says if we believe in our heart. You see, our heart is the deepest seat of, of our whole being. And I love it because God never does His deepest work in the shallowest part of our bodies. Because if it's in our mind, we can lose our minds. If it was in our will, we probably couldn't keep going. And at some point in time, you're going to to lose willpower. But it's in our heart. It's where the decisions are made. It's where we come up with convictions that we will not bend, we will not break. That it's in the deepest part of our soul, the deepest part of who we are as humans, that we believe in our heart. That God has raised him from the dead. That's the resurrection part. That he died on a cross, but yes, he was raised. And that's why we celebrate Easter. We celebrate Easter because it says that he is alive, he is not dead, he is risen. And you look at every other religion, and they're all dead. Every person has died and they did not they was not resurrected, but for Christ He died and He was resurrected. He lived so we can live. And we come under the we come under the life of salvation because of His resurrection. He raised Him from the dead. And you will be saved. You see that? It doesn't say you might be saved. It doesn't say if you keep working at it, eventually you will get there. No, it says immediately and certainly you will be saved. That uh, with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Wow. And you think about it. That God would love us so much that He would give us this opportunity. And like I said before I started, maybe you've been down this road before. Let's say you're on average 43 years old or 45 years old. For... 42 or 43 Easters that you can remember, you've heard this message. Or maybe your family has talked about this message. And you've been down this road every Easter. And every Easter you hear the story and you say, that's a good story. And you plow it away and you say, but, you know, I've already been there and done that. Let me tell you, the salvation of your soul is not something that's been there and done that. It's the heart of who you are. It's the being of who you are as a Christian that, that we don't get over being saved, that, that we don't put Jesus aside as some sort of side note in our life and then we go and say, look how good I am. I go to church and I do good deeds and I do all this stuff. And surely God loves me now because I think one thing we do as Christians is that we dress ourselves up really, really good and we start thinking that we're better than we really are. But yet, when we pull all that back, maybe you've had some time to do that lately. Maybe you've been at home and you've really been contemplating God and been thinking about your salvation and been thinking about if you die and what would happen when you die. Uh, Would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? What would God say to you? And maybe if you peeled back all those layers that we've put up about being a good person or going to church or doing the right things, what would it be that you would say, this is the reason that I believe that I'm going to heaven? This is the reason that I believe that God will will forgive my sin and that God will trust in me and that God will allow me to have eternal life. What is it? And I'm going to tell you if it's anything other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. If it's anything other than what you've heard in these scriptures right here, you've missed it. You've missed the main thing. And as Christians, it's important for us to, not only in our own lives, to keep the main thing the main thing, but as, as we share with other people, it's important to keep the main thing the main thing. As we go through this scare, this coronavirus scare, and we, we go through this crisis that we're in, may we never share with people how good of a person we are. May we never share with them how, how great that we, we, we have helped people and all the good that we have done or maybe all the times that we've been to church. No, no, no. None of those things mean Nothing. But that may we stand as sinners that have been saved by the grace of God that through His power and through His mercy that we have been born again and through that fire and through that passion may we share with them that if they too will confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that they shall be saved just like you can and just like I would be. And I love what the Scripture says that it's too. Everyone who might believe. Maybe you're listening to me and you say, You know what, Pastor Ted, you don't know where I've been and what I've done. Well, I don't have to know. Because I'm going to tell you, uh, from the very first time that Jesus Christ was on the cross, that at, in his place as a substitute, there was another man that was supposed to die. And that man's name was Barabbas. And Barabbas was one of the most wicked. Uh, people of that time that he was actually in jail, in prison. He was convicted of his sins. But yet, the Jewish people were so upset and they wanted to crucify Christ so bad that they said, let Barabbas go and let's crucify Jesus. And they said, well, okay, well, we'll give you a choice. Are you going to choose Barabbas or Jesus? And they chose Jesus. And I'm sure Barabbas, who knew he was a sinner and knew he had stolen from people and knew he was a, 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 a an evil, wicked criminal. I'm sure as he watched that crucifixion, he was the first one to get what it meant for Jesus Christ to die in someone's place. That he knew what it meant to be a substitute for the wrath of God. And may we be like Barabbas. May we understand that it's not because we are good It's not because we go to church. And it's not because we do some good things. But it's because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news. Because without it, there is no power of God unto salvation. And may we keep that the main thing in our lives. And so, maybe if you're a Christian, maybe you need to go back and say, what is my testimony? You know, when was it that I've confessed with my mouth and I believed in my heart? What day was it? Where was I at? And you may not know the exact time and date, but you should have a general ideal of when it happened, because it happens. And the Bible says when this happens, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's like a new person comes to live inside of you. So you can't deny it. It comes in, and it's something that you will remember. Um, It's much like a birth coming into a family. I can remember uh, when all of my children were born, even the first one, that we had our home, and we thought everything was great, and we had everything where we wanted it, and we had no child locks on the cabinets, and we had our car's perfectly clean, and everything was great. Well, when we brought that little monster home, <laughs> i just teasing. I, we called Tucker, who's my oldest son, we call him Tear Jack One, and we call, uh, Tanner was pretty even and mellow, but Courtney, she's Tear Jack Two. So we had Tear Jack One, and we had Tear Jack Two, but when we brought Tear Jack One home, there was bulbs broken, lights broken, pots and pans pushed around. There was, you know, spots on the floor. You name it. He 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 literally ravaged our house, and there was no denying that there was some birth, there was some other life that was living with us at that point. There's no denying we could go back and for sure say this is when it happened. Well, that's the same way as Christians. When you become a Christian, Christ comes into your life. There's no denying it that you should know immediately there has been a change. There is some new life in you that you you have by the Spirit of God now. And listen, if you can't do that, you may call yourself a Christian, but maybe you need to evaluate it and say, hmm, did I really know what it meant to be saved? Did I truly trust in Jesus Christ? Or maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this. Maybe you've uh, thought, well, you know, when I get better or when I clean up my life or when I stop doing drugs or maybe when I stop... Uh, you know, cussing, or maybe when I stop doing bad business deals, or whatever it may be. Then, then you think, well, then I'll go to church and be a, a good person. No, no, no. Right where you are, I could confidently say that God loves you right where you are. That you are no more a sinner uh, now than you will be uh, 50 years from now. And that even in your worst time, in the worst of the worst, it says that Christ loved you. He demonstrated His love. And while you yet a sinner, He will meet you right on his name, and you can receive this free gift just like I did, and just like everyone else can when they call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's my challenge to you tonight. I hope that if you've never done that, that tonight you will do that. And if you have done that, take a trip down memory lane, take a trip back to when you got saved, take a trip back to when you confessed. Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, and let what the Bible says, let the joy of your salvation, let the restoring of that joy bring you some peace, even in the midst of these turbulent times. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father God, I do come before you, Lord. Lord, I pray for someone who might be listening to me right now, that right where they sit, listen, you don't have to come to church, you don't have to stand up, you don't have to fill out a card, You don't have to tap on your screen or comment on this post or put a thumbs up. What you need to do is what the Bible says. If you believe that Jesus Christ died for you and you understand that, that you have missed the mark, that you have sinned, you've made a mess of your life. If you understand that and you believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth and He shed His blood and He died on that cross and you believe that you trust in Him for your salvation, that you believe unto Him for your righteousness, right where you sit, all you have to do is say something like this. It doesn't have to be exact words, but just express this from your heart as you confess Jesus Christ. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I have failed. I know I have missed the mark. I've made a mess of my life. But dear Lord Jesus, I, I want to repent. I, I don't want to keep going down this road. I want to I change. I, I want to turn my life around. And I repent of my sins. I repent of my own way. I don't want to trust in myself anymore. But right now, I confess the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That I trust that He died for me. That He shed His blood. And that I may have life. Because He has given it to me. What a, what a message. Let me tell you, brother or sister, if you did that right now, the Bible says you become born again, that you have become saved, that you have eternal life, and listen, this is a day to celebrate, and this Easter will be the greatest Easter you will ever, ever remember because it's the Easter that you got saved, the Easter that you received Jesus Christ, that you received spiritual life, or maybe you're here and you might be a Christian, you say, you know what, I have become dry. Listen, listen hearing the message of the cross and hearing the message of Jesus Christ has just become plain. It's become lukewarm. It's become tepid in my heart. Man, may we confess to the Lord Jesus Christ that we should have never got over being saved. May, may our hearts boil up with joy. May, may we go back and visit that. And may we return to that passion and fire. That we as Christians, we as the church of Jesus Christ should fire ourselves up You want to know how fired up you are about your salvation? Let me ask you one simple question. When was the last time you shared Jesus Christ with someone? Think about that. When was the last time you shared Jesus Christ with someone? Let me tell you, if you can't answer that question, you don't remember when, you need to get your heart right with God. You need to tell God, I I haven't kept the main thing the main thing. Listen, many of us have left school. We have left jobs. We have left our social circles. Man, what an opportunity that when those things start getting restored in our life, if we would make a commitment that, that if all those people in those circles, that we would never be able to speak to him again, would they know the love that Jesus Christ had for them? May we make the commitment that when we go back to those circles, when we form those relationships again, when we, when we get back to... Uh, Uh, fellowshipping with them. May we make the commitment that may I keep the main thing the main thing. Yes, we may work together, but I'm there to share Jesus Christ with them. Yes, we may go to school together, but I'm there to share Jesus Christ with them. Yes, may we go to church together, but hey, I'm there to share Jesus Christ with them. May we keep the main thing the main thing, and may you commit that in your heart today. And God, I just pray for a few moments as maybe somebody's at home or maybe they're at work or wherever they're at, may they just consider these words and the Roman's road to ask themselves, if I get to the end of this road, what will I say? And why would God let me go to heaven when I die? And may you confidently be able to answer when you've been down this road. I ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, Baptist Church, we got announcements? Promote Sunday. All right. Sunday is Easter, 1030. We're going to be doing a live service and uh, online. So I want you to tune in. We're going to be talking about uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to be singing some songs and uh, you heard some great music earlier. We are going to have some great music on Sunday. And uh, also uh, for those that are members, Friday night, I'll be sending out a link for you to join us for Uh, Good Friday at seven o'clock and uh, I'll be sending a link for that so we can connect together and uh, talk about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ together. So if you're interested in that, I'll be sending something out on our Facebook uh, members page and then you can respond to that there so we can have a time of uh, fellowship during our Facebook uh, group. So with that said, I hope you have a great day and I'll be talking to you later. Did you stop it?